0: Welcome to PR 360, a weekly public relations podcast where we bring on the best and brightest minds in the PR industry. We discuss the important topics that you need to know. Tune in every Wednesday to find out. Hosted by Brett Dicer and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find more information on globalresultspr.com. And welcome to a new episode of PR 360. And I'm your host, Brett Dicer. You can please subscribe to PR 360 on all your favorite podcasting apps. Leave a five-star review and let us know how we can do better for you and get us up on that up business platform to number one, because that's always a good thing as well. But this week, I have two guests this time. So this is gonna be very, very interesting to see what they have to offer because it's gonna be very interesting about freelancers and just that market, because that market has exploded in the past few years, but Samantha and Andrea have with me and they are former marketing execs and freelancers turned S-A-A-S founders and they basically just run a place for freelancers and they've had a bunch of different areas and expertise with freelancing, B2B freelancing in general, but welcome to the show, both of you.
1: Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us.
0: And the first question I all my guests is, are you a coffee or tea drinker?
1: I am actually, well, this might be for both of us, but I am actually a tea drinker. So I'm not a regular coffee or caffeine drinker, which I know is wild and it shocks people. I, you know, I like to get my eight hours of sleep a night so that I (laughs) don't need to rely on the caffeine, but I'm a big like mint and herbal tea drinker.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely a coffee drinker. First thing I have to do in the morning is have my coffee. And then in the afternoon, I enjoy my cup of tea.
0: So none of you can actually do like coffee or caffeine late at night is what I'm hearing. No. Well,
2: no.
1: Maybe, an, maybe an espresso martini from time to time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I could, but the, I just prefer my one cup of coffee in the morning.
0: Mm, yeah, I'm the beyond I can drink it anytime and still sleep.
1: <laughs> Look, it just It just runs through your blood at this point.
0: Yeah, it's basically like, oh, I had coffee at 9 p.m. Well, I'll still sleep anyways. <laughs> anyways, I gave a I gave a brief introduction to both of you, but both of you, can you give a little bit more about your expertise and to our listeners because they're very interested?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Andrea and I actually met eight or nine years ago at a company called Campaign Monitor, which is an email marketing software. So I was actually the head of marketing for the self-service side of the business, and Andrea was the CMO there. So we worked there for three or four years, came into the company at a really exciting growth phase, helped build a lot of programs, kind of build out the marketing team, get all of that moving. And then when we decided to leave, we actually went out together and founded a consulting firm. So it was a boutique consulting firm called Interimly, which is really just our fancy way of saying that we were freelancing. But we were doing it together, right? So we worked together um, freelancing for about three or four years after that. Um, And all we did was help early stage startups figure out how to grow and get momentum. So it was a really fun time. We were helping a lot of companies grow and build out their programs and build out their team. Um, But one of the really interesting things about our time freelancing is that although Andrea and I, you know, we had ran, we had both ran other businesses in the past, we had a lot of experiencing, experience like managing and organizing, you know, teams and you know, marketing programs and all these things, but we actually really struggled with operationalizing our freelance business. And so we started talking to a lot of our pals in the freelance space, you know, content writers and PR professionals and social media consultants, and other, you know, just growth marketing consultants. And what we heard over and over again is that no one really liked the way they were managing their business, and it wasn't efficient, right? So everyone was using like five to seven different tools to manage their business. It was really scattered. It was hard. And so that's what actually led Andrea and I to founding Harlow, was the realization that For this specific audience, this kind of B2B freelancer, this skilled freelancer who is selling into businesses, there really wasn't a fan favorite solution or one way to really do things well. And so we said, hey, we're familiar with this audience. We are used to helping companies grow and building and creating. Let's create the solution ourselves. And I'll let Andrea add in there too, because this is actually not her first rodeo founding a company.
2: That's true. Um, Yes. Prior to meeting Samantha at Campaign Monitor, I started my career off um, early on at Salesforce um, in marketing, as well as in product management. When I left, I went into freelancing, which at that point in time was not as well-received as it is today. I think my parents were like, could you get a real job, please. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, and then I actually went to found um, a company called Full Circle Insights, which is an attribution and ABM platform built for Salesforce users. And I um, After in that company is still still around today. But when I left full circle, I actually went back into freelancing again. So when Samantha and I met up and formed interimly, that was actually my third time freelancing throughout my career.
0: Gotcha. And so, I mean, we're talking about freelancers and everything, but what has been the struggles for this year and next year? What have you seen? I mean, you said the tools, which I can attest to. It's you're trying to find, I think I use QuickBooks just for all, for most of the financial aspects of it, but what has been the struggles that you've found through freelancers in this year and for the future as well as 2023?
1: Yeah, so Andrew and I have actually been talking about this a lot lately. And so when we think about the pain points that freelancers experience, we kind of group them into two buckets. So one is like this bucket of just management pain points. So figuring out like the basics, right? how do I create the foundation for my business? How do I send proposals? How do I actually, you know, invoice and get paid? And then there's this other bucket of pain points, which is more, how do I scale my business and make this a sustainable long-term career? And so those pain points are really around like, how do I build a business that actually, you know, provides me the balance that I need? How do I fire a bad client if they're not working out? You know, How do I actually price my services and how do I sell value? So I think, you know, there's kind of two, I mean, there's a lot of pain points that freelancers experience, but we kind of bucket into that. It's like, how do I set the foundation for my business so I can kick this thing off and get going? And then how do I actually make it a sustainable long-term career? Because, you know, Andrea mentioned this, that, you know, freelancing isn't something that people just do in between corporate gigs now. It's something that they want to do for the next 5, 10, 15 years. And to do that... You need to find some like layer of efficiency. And Andrea, I'll let you chime in there too.
2: Yeah, I think, and I think the pains um, vary depending on where you are in your freelance journey. So a lot of freelancers that we talk to are very new into freelancing. So they're struggling with things like, do I set up a separate business entity? Should it be an LLC? How do I, you know, the nuts and bolts of things. Um, And then those more experienced freelancers, I would say right now, a lot of them are trying to figure out how do I recession-proof my business? You know, how do I make sure that this is really, that I can sustain through the ups and downs? Because, I mean, it feels like the last three years have been rocky and it definitely, the feeling in the community is that the next two years are going to be rocky as well.
1: Yeah, which is it? The, I mean, the recession in general is an interesting topic for freelancers right now because um, an- Andrea and I always go back and forth on this and with a lot of members of our community. You know, we, we were freelancing when COVID hit, right? And so it was a very similar conversation of what is this going to look like? Is my career recession-proof? And what we actually found was that our business grew during that time. Demand for freelancers grew because unfortunately there were layoffs and other things happening and teams still needed to grow their business but we're letting go of full-time employees, which is a really interesting thing that happens during this period of time. So, you know, sometimes freelancers will see, you know, companies that they work with cut budgets and let go temporarily. But oftentimes, you know, once kind of the dust settles, they realize that there's still a need to employ a team to help the business grow. And sometimes that just comes down to hiring freelancers.
2: Mm-hmm. I think another trend that we've been seeing among some of the more experienced freelancers is also um, diversifying revenue streams. So we're seeing a lot of freelancers, so say content writers starting to put out um, courses or freelancers going into coaching. So they're not just dependent on that client work. They have revenue from you know, content and, and different, um, different avenues as well. Totally. Or, or doing things like monetizing podcasts
1: and monetizing Mm -hmm. newsletters and like really letting their creative side kind of drive, you know, a a new endeavor along with their, their client work.
0: So is that basically like showing their work effectively? Because I mean, that's the biggest hurdle is like, how do you show your work in the best light? Cause I think we could all share work in the worst light and be like, wait, I didn't really mean to do that. (laughs) It's supposed to be better than this, but how can they effectively do that? Because you you want to share the value with your clients. I know you can diversify with everything, but still, I mean, freelancers really still rely somewhat on clients.
2: Oh, for sure. Definitely. And I think it depends on the field that you're in, how to go about sharing your body of work. You know, I think we work with uh, a lot of content writers and just the nature of that work lends itself to newsletters and podcasts and media, which is um, obviously much easier to distribute than say when Samantha and I were freelancing we focused in on demand generation which doesn't quite lend itself to some of those same channels quite as well totally yeah
1: i definitely think that there's like there's a time and a place for you know the newsletters and the podcasts and running these side projects but you know a lot of freelancers when they're first starting out you know they don't have the opportunity to actually like create that from the beginning when they're also trying to you know build up their clientele and get their business running And so honestly, you know, Andrea and I, when we talk to a lot of early stage freelancers, we just tell them to, you know, put together a simplistic website, right? Make sure that it shows your value. Make sure that you put a couple of testimonials there. You know, if you're a designer or a writer or you have something to truly showcase, you know, add links to that. But really, you know, just just create a space in which people can find you and understand what you offer and who you are and why you're unique or valuable in that space.
2: Mm -hmm. I mean, even building out your LinkedIn profile is super useful for that. It doesn't have to be a fancy website if you don't have those resources.
1: Totally. It can be a, yeah, it can be, you know, a one page website if you really want it Mm -hmm. to be. It can be your LinkedIn profile, but you need, you need somewhere that people can go to get more information about you because that just adds, um, it adds credibility to your business.
0: So it should be, or should freelancers care about their personal brand? Because it feels, I feel like for freelancers, you kind of have to have your own personal brand to get that following, to get that, I guess, reputation is the best way. Because reputation carries you to other clients. so is it important to care about that personal branding through your LinkedIn or Twitter or wherever else you're going to be on? You know,
1: this is an interesting question because I have seen some freelancers become extremely, you know, extremely big in their space or make a lot of money without having a personal brand at all. You know, but those people typically have a strong network that already exists, right? Like maybe they're further along in their career and maybe they can go out and make, you know, $250,000 a year without actually focusing on their personal brand because they have connections and they have their referral network built up. But again, not everybody enters into freelancing and is lucky enough to have that built-in network and referral network so that they don't have to focus on that, you know. So I see some really successful freelancers really focus heavily on personal brand and I see them I see that take them, you know, a lot of places. And then I see other freelancers who don't necessarily have to focus as much. So I don't think, you know, you don't have to have this big, robust personal brand to be good at what you do and to get clients. But on the other hand, it can be a channel for you to actually, you know, expose yourself and get other clients.
2: Yeah. I think it comes down to all like what feels natural to you. So personally, I'm not one to go out and post on social media and build a personal brand at all. Um, That's just not who I am and it's uncomfortable. So if I tried to do that, it would feel inauthentic. And so I think that is really important as you're thinking about how you're going to build your business is how can you do it in a way that feels true to yourself? If it feels really good for you to engage in social and work on your brand and send out newsletters, then you absolutely should. Um, but if it doesn't, there's many other ways to, um, to, to build a successful business without doing that.
0: Mm, is there some like tips for that? Cause I mean, For freelancers, some are extroverted that love social media and some are introverted that are like, "Eh, I don't know about this thing.
2: Exactly. So a couple of things, I think. As you're engaging in, you know, you get your first client, you're likely going to meet other freelancers. This is the best source of referrals. You know, I think doing a good job is by far the most important thing that you can do as a freelancer to build your brand. It doesn't have to be uh, externally facing, right? As long as you're doing really good work and the people around you can see that, leverage those relationships. So one of the things that we did early on is that we actually realized we were, we were servicing um, very small tech companies that were, um, had just raised money and were making their first hires. And so what we did is we built relationships with VCs because VCs were funding these companies and then trying to help them grow. And so that was a really good referral network for us that helped us to, to build our business. So I think there's a lot of different ways to do it. Um, but for me, I found building those one, one-to-one relationships can be super helpful.
1: Absolutely. And I think, I think on the other side of that, if you are going to build your personal brand and you want to get started there, I think the main thing to do is really think about, one, who are you speaking to, right? It all, it all starts there. Who are you actually trying to get in front of? Who do you want to hear your message? And then two, how can you authentically and meaningfully contribute to the conversation? What do you have to add? What is your unique perspective? And that, you know, once you put those things together and you kind of figure out the topics that you want to discuss, what makes sense for you as a human, you know, what you feel comfortable discussing, that's where you can kind of build out your, you know, your personal like social media strategy or brand to get in front of people. But it really kind of takes up front doing that reflective work to figure out who you're talking to and what you should be saying.
0: Mm -hmm. And then even going on with that, with networking, should freelancers focus on the in-person or the virtual? Because there is kind of this push pull dichotomy of, well, I may not want to go to events because I may be still scared of COVID or anything else, or I just hate people. Well, I'm, I hate people and like, I just don't like small talk type of a thing. But it, it should, should they care about both? Should they care more about in person because you do get a different feel in person, or should they do both in the virtual or just do virtual only?
2: Again, you it comes what? back to me for whatever feels the best for you. So I, I, I'm probably a little bit less comfortable with in-person things. I have a little bit of that social anxiety. Don't like the small talk as much. Um, so, big events wouldn't be a place where I would thrive. So, that kind of doesn't make sense for me. But what does make sense for me is like a super, coffee dates, you know, meeting somebody one-on-one, those types of things. Um, because I do agree with you that the one-on-the face-to-face is really nice, um, but I don't think it's required. I don't know, Sam, what were you going to say? And I was, I, you know,
1: I don't necessarily think about it as like in person or virtual. I just, I kind of view it as just building community, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, regardless of how you want to do that, whether it's in person, whether it's one on one, whether it's online, on social, on Twitter, wherever it is, I think it's very important for freelancers to build community in whatever way feels good for them, right? And that's, again, it's not about the platform that you're doing it, but it's about going out and seeking people who understand you and can relate to you and can empathize with you. Because I really think there's, you know, there's, there's really two points of value for a freelancer and building community. One, of course, is getting in front of potential new clients and showcasing their work and letting people know what they do and how they do it. But the other piece is really finding that day-to-day support. Because freelancing can be a very lonely and isolating experience. When you're working by yourself or with a very small team, you don't necessarily get that daily encouragement or people giving you feedback on your work in a really positive way or you know people celebrating those small wins with you. And so I just think it comes down to community and where you're yeah. going to find that support. And that can be... I mean there's so many different places whether it's again linkedin or twitter or in-person conferences or you know accountability sessions what whatever mm-hmm. it is a lot of different ways to do it
0: so how do the freelancers stay focused when they say by yourself and you don't actually get any encouragement whatsoever <laughs> you're like am i doing good is this the right way of doing it i mean i know bosses and everything else try to do it but I don't think they do it enough for freelancers to be like okay am I doing anything wrong what am I doing
1: yeah you know that's. I feel like we hear we hear about this all the time where freelancers are like you know somebody one of their clients will give feedback in a google doc and they're like oh they hate my work they don't like it at all and it's like no that's you know that's not the case people are just giving feedback on your work because that's just how the process goes and so I don't know you know it's I really does do you think it comes down to like encouragement from your peers and accountability from your peers and Andrea I'll let you chime in there.
2: Yeah, uh, one of um, one really cool thing that we have started doing is we found this company um, called Groove and Groove is like online accountability for solopreneurs, creators, etc. and basically you log in with your on your phone and it's a 45 50 minute co-working session with Other freelancers. And so you, you know, quickly introduce yourself, tell them what it is that you want to accomplish, and then you work on that together over the next hour. And so that even small little things like that help to a build community, create some of these connections, but then also just keep you on track. And it's not necessarily like feedback in terms of, am I doing a good job or not? But it helps you to feel like you're part of a bigger team and accomplish some of those, those short-term goals.
1: Absolutely. I will say even we have we have a small team at Harlow. So we are, we are actually three full-time employees and then a network of freelancers who are really incredible and support us. But we groove as a team all the time because, again, we have a small team and we need to practice time management and prioritize and, you know, hold ourselves accountable. And so groove groove is a really awesome tool to do that. Whether you are a solopreneur or on a small team, whatever it might be, we see, I mean, we see musicians use groove. We mm-hmm. see, we see a ton of different people use groove. It's really cool.
0: And then, I mean, for the PR almost side, do you do freelancers basically have to be their own PR? Like agent or anything yeah. like that you'd be like, look how great I am. This is what I do for you. Like, how do they get started with that? Cause PR isn't the most simple thing to do. You have to understand how to write a press release, understand like the finer details of it and understand who to come to and how to address them or even how to communicate with them? So how would, how would they start to do that? Cause I mean, that's the other piece of the puzzle besides the financial part is how to gain more clients.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I tell, I tell all Anyone who's running a, whether it's a solo shop or a small business, whatever it is, like you have to be your own hype person, right? If you are going into business for yourself, you do have to figure out how to sell yourself. And I think, you know, at the very beginning when you're first forming that business, I think it really comes down to really kind of nailing your elevator pitch and your kind of differentiator and who you are selling to, you know, that can change over time. And, you know, a lot of the times it does, we, we grow and we expand or we, you know, move into different areas. But I really think figuring out up front, you know, what you're offering is, why you're the right person to make that offer and who you're offering it to and being able to clearly articulate that and explain it over and over again in all these different platforms is what a freelancer has to do as, you know, step one to launching their business.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say a couple of tactical things that freelancers can do is when you finish, you know, when you finish a project with a client, you should absolutely be asking for testimonials right away. Mm -hmm. I know it feels uncomfortable to a lot of people. But that's, you know, that will help build credibility. You can put those testimonials on your LinkedIn, on your website. You can use them in your portfolio as you're pitching other clients. Um, that type of third-party validation is super helpful. And then as for like traditional PR, if that's something that you're wanting to invest in, one of the things that we do on our own is you know, we look at um, HARO, Help a Reporter Out every day Mm -hmm. and see if there's anything relevant in there that we could respond to. And just as a way to get our name out to, you know, introduce us to, to new journalists and um, audiences out there that we might not have connected to.
1: Absolutely. And those requests are also coming in every day on social, right? There are a ton of times actually when, you know, we're, we're a three person business so we're, you know, slightly different than a one person business or a freelance shop but you know we see somebody posting on twitter and saying hey we're looking for someone to speak on this topic and there've been multiple times where we've connected with somebody we've you know written an article for them and then that turns into being featured on a podcast and then that turns into mm-hmm. us being involved in a social series and you know so on and so forth and so yeah like keeping an eye out on those opportunities on social and help a reporter out both really kind of easy ways to stay on top of opportunities to showcase yourself and easy is relative, obviously, because it still takes time yeah. and effort and, you know, <laughs> like putting, putting yourself out there. So, but it's a, it's a path to that.
0: It yeah. can be a springboard to other things, but you still have to put in the work is basically what you're saying.
1: Exactly. There's no, there's no true easy path to building a freelance business and putting yourself out there. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of self-belief, right? Um, and it takes, it takes a lot of motivation. And so you know but once you once you get going it can be extremely rewarding to you know control your career and have that in your hands
0: and so like for those that are like w- thinking about starting or really wanting to start like what are the first types of steps they should take to successfully start successfully start it because you could start something and it could be a complete mess and you're like I have no idea what I'm doing I have no idea but but let's help out some of those want to be freelancers, how do you start that process?
1: Yeah, well, I think, so I think part I would... of it comes back to what I mentioned. Oh, you go ahead, Andrea. Go ahead. <laughs> so I think um, I think part of it comes back to what I said earlier, which is just really defining your offering and your elevator pitch and what you're going to sell. Um, that is That's really the first step in my book. You need to figure out how to enter the freelance marketplace. And, you know, put yourself out there. And then, Andrea, I know that you'll have some recommendations on the tactical side of things.
2: Yeah. So that was what I was going to say also. <laughs> First and foremost, get really clear about what it is you're offering. But also, you don't necessarily have to take this giant leap. You can moonlight on the side. You know, a lot of freelancers that we work with have full-time jobs and freelance on the side. That is a really um, – it feels a lot safer for a lot of people to test the waters and see if this is something that they're going to like, because let's be honest, this is not for everybody. Like Samantha said, it can be lonely and isolating. You have to figure out how to deal with your own taxes, which is very confusing. <laughs> how to set up your business entity? You know, you are um, you're you're becoming a small business owner. Whether, mm-hmm. you know, even though we call it freelancing, you're still running a small business. So I think for a lot of people, that's a great path to take is to just dip your toe in water and mm-hmm. do a little, um, some side gigs.
1: Absolutely. And I actually, um, I did a plethora of side gigs when I had earlier full-time roles, kind of dipping my toe into freelancing and doing some side projects, whether it was like writing blog posts or giving advice on demand generation, whatever it might be. Um, Before I actually went into freelancing full time. So I did have, you know, it is nice to have some experience of what that looks like and how to communicate with clients um, before, you know, you go in full force. Mm hmm.
2: Yeah. And I would say before you take the plunge, also start having some of those coffee dates. Start telling your ex-colleagues and professional contacts what you're thinking about, what you're up to. You'll be surprised at what comes up from those conversations and just keeping top of mind with those people as they're talking to their colleagues. They might find somebody that has a need for your services. So you just never know where those first clients and honestly later clients are going to come from
1: absolutely it comes back to
2: hyping yourself
1: up and not being afraid to put yourself out there because when you launch a freelance business you have to do a lot of self hype and you know talk about talk about yourself and put yourself out there and like andrea said that could be to former colleagues you know former clients whoever it is
0: mhm and then uh, what are the future trends of freelancing in 2023? Are there going to be any hot industries that are just going to explode with freelancing? Because, I mean, we're, we started to see that with COVID that freelancing became like almost the norm in some certain aspects. So what's going to be happening in 2023 that freelancers should be on the lookout for?
2: I think it's a lot of the same in terms of what we're seeing is a real growth in um, skilled workers. In in the freelance industry and specifically like uh, what we kind of frame as these white collar freelancers. So freelancers selling into businesses. And I just read a really interesting article that indicated that um, freelancers are, um, they're, they're getting more sophisticated. So people with higher degrees, with more work experience are starting to move into the freelance space. And so I think we're just going to continue to see more of that, like more skilled workers leaving the nine to five and moving to freelance and consulting um, workload.
1: Absolutely. And I think the other part of that is they're doing, they're doing it long-term, right? Yeah. So again, this is no longer between corporate gigs that, you know, somebody leaves a job, they go in freelance for six months, they go, you know, back in house. We're starting to see that it, no, people are starting to do this long-term. It is going to be their career for the next five, 10, 15 years. And so freelancers are getting very serious about finding efficiencies and making sure that they're setting the foundation for their business. Cause to be competitive you have to deliver good work and to deliver good work, you have to be organized and efficient. Right. And so I think there's just a much deeper understanding that you got, you have to get your, you know, your business in order first to make it a long-term sustainable path.
0: Gotcha. And then fun question for you. What is your guys's favorite part about freelancing?
1: So my favorite part about freelancing and why I originally went into freelancing was autonomy and control over my own schedule and flexibility. So I went from being in-house and having meetings sometimes from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. and working with global teams, you know, in the Philippines and Australia and the U.K. And that I got really burnt out, honestly, right? Like I I was tired. It was It was a really heavy workload, a lot of hours. And so when I went into freelancing, I was like, I want to control my schedule. I want to find better balance. And I want to make time for the things outside of work that are really meaningful. And so for me, taking that into my own hands was my favorite part and the most appealing part.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's the flexibility, but it's the flexibility in terms of the hours that you work, but also where you work. Um, which is now much more acceptable post-COVID to work remote, um, wherever that might be. Um, And then also who you work with. So once you become established as a freelancer, you tend to have more options in terms of who your clients are. We didn't have that luxury when we were early on Want <laughs> to make that clear um, that sometimes at the beginning you end up, you have to learn, you have to learn the hard way. And sometimes it's by taking mm-hmm. your crappy clients. But um, after a couple of years, we were really in the position where we could, um, we could choose, we could choose to um, say no to projects that didn't feel good to us whether it was the organization or the individuals. Um, and so that type of flexibility also was really great.
1: Yeah. I love that. The the control of the focus of your work is yes. so meaningful, right? Because sometimes when you're in-house, you just get thrown into things and they're like, hey, you're going to own this project, whether you like it or not. But when you're a freelancer, you're like, you know where I really excel? is writing long form content. And that's all I'm going to do, or maybe the only thing that I want to do is, you know, edit TikTok videos. Whatever it is, you can say this is the thing that I'm really passionate about. It's the thing that I'm good at, and that's what I'm providing. And I think that's that's really cool.
0: Mm-hmm. And then almost a follow-up question, but to get freelancers motivated, like what motivates you to keep actually working? Cause that's the other piece of the puzzle. Cause you're like me and I'm in a room and that's my office. And I'm just staring at a computer screen for, I don't know how many hours a day. How do you keep motivated to keep working? Cause that's the other piece of the puzzle. It's like, you got the job. Now you got to keep your motivation up.
1: Totally. Um, you know, I think there's, I think there's a lot of things that go into that. I think, something that we actually talk about a lot um, as an organization and as individuals is really taking the time to self-reflect and kind of figuring out when and how you work best. And I know that sounds a little bit like non-tangible, but I think, you know, in corporate environments, a lot of us used to struggle because we were just expected to work from eight to five at our desk. And that's just how it was and how it's supposed to be. But when you go into freelancing, you can really try to tap into, you know, when in the day, you work the best, you know, and Andrea and I are different in that sense. You know, I actually, I don't do my best work in the mornings. I do my best work from like 10 a.m. until like three or 4 p.m. And so when I was freelancing, that's when my hours were, because I knew that's when I was the most productive and that's when I was actually motivated to do work. And Andrea is different. She's really productive in the morning. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and so I, I think, yeah, getting to know your productivity times, I think that's huge. And Andrea, I'll let you chime in there.
2: Um, yeah. Finding accountability buddies. You know, we talked about groove earlier. That's been super helpful for us. This, this part is really hard is the self-motivation. And like Sam said, I think it, it comes down to looking inside and kind of figuring out what are those things that motivate you. It It's different for every person. Some people like to, um, I can't remember what the term is for it, but it's like task, um, stacking or something. So once I get this task done, then I can do something fun. You know, Mm -hmm. once I, once I do this thing I've been putting off, then I can go get a coffee. I can go on a walk, things like that. So I think different tricks work for different people. Um, for us, it's come down to figuring out when in the day we work best. Um, and also just how we work. Like I'm a procrastinator. So the fact is that if the project is due tomorrow, <laughs> I'll be finishing it the night before. <laughs> and poor Samantha's had to learn to deal with that.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm the opposite. So yes. I like to finish things. I like to finish things early and with plenty of time. Uh, but you know, another another um, little trick that I used when I was freelancing was calendar blocking. So what I would mm-hmm. do is at the very beginning of the week, I would look at all of the deliverables I had for clients that week. And I would try to map out my days in advance, right? I'd be like, okay, I have to deliver on this content calendar. I'm gonna do that on Wednesday from two to four and I'm gonna block up that time and know that that's time that I'm working on that project and I'm prepping myself to do that. Um, so I think, I think a lot of freelancers also do really well with calendar blocking and doing just kind of like forward planning in their weeks so they can stay on top of deliverables and deadlines. Yep.
0: Yeah. All right, and where can people find you guys online?
1: Yeah. So you can find, um, so we mentioned obviously earlier, meet Harlow. So, you know, Andrea and I run a business called Harlow. It's an all-in-one freelance platform for freelancers to manage their business. So that's everything from, you know, sending proposals and invoices and getting paid all the way through, you know, helping you figure out how to build a sustainable freelance career and kind of answering, you know, those questions around, you know, the the value questions, how do I price, how do I work with bad clients, all of those things. So you can find Harlow on all social media at Meet Harlow. We're on Twitter and TikTok and LinkedIn. We talk about you know, balance and freelancing and growing your career every day. And then I'm also really active on social. So you can find me at just at Samantha Andrel, first and last name um, on those same platforms.
2: And I'm not super social, um, <laughs> super active on social, <laughs> but you can find me on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, to the, the littlest flea.
0: <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts for the listeners?
1: I think we covered a lot from top to bottom. I think, you know, there's, there's obviously one consistency in the message that Andrea and I tried to get across, and that's the value of community for freelancers, right? Like yep. community and finding people to support you and help you is so important. Like as a freelancer, just keep in mind, you do not have to go it alone. Even if you are building a solo business, you are not alone. There is a ton of support out there for you.
0: All right, well thank you, Samantha Andrew, Andrea for joining pr 360 and sharing your knowledge on the on freelancing.
1: Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks.
0: And thank you for listening to PR360. As always, please subscribe to PR360 and all your favorite podcasting apps. We have a five-star review. If you like this podcast and let us get to that number one spot in the the business category. But as always, join us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys, get to understanding if you can be a freelancer or not, or do a side hustle or not. And have a great week and see you next week. Later.